I'm Corey Francois. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. What did I just listen to? Oh, f- this game. This game is this game is just bullshit now. Oh my gosh. I actually they actually make me feel uncomfortable. What was it? Panty what? The game has gone to bullshit. Panty melted? Why do we record these during the middle of games? Oh, God. Be sure to listen to Corey and I every Monday. We are your go-to source for the Arizona Coyotes on the Hockey Podcast Network. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What's up? Welcome to the Kane Strain Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Hope you enjoyed your Christmas, your holidays, whatever you celebrate. Uh, I'm recording this on the day after Christmas. Sorry there was no Christmas Eve episode. Um, But hey, holidays is holidays, you know? So, what'd you get, you know? Did you get cool stuff? I actually got, I'll tell you what's really cool that we got is, uh, you know, like a Keurig, right? A Keurig makes coffee. Sorry for my dog barking. Keurig makes coffee in these, you know, single-surf cups. I got you a, a cooler thing that's also made by Keurig. It's called Drinkworks, and it makes mixed drinks. It's like the same thing. Like, they have these little pods that have everything in them, and then it has, like, a CO2 cartridge, and it pulls water and everything. You throw the pod in there, it reads a barcode, and it tells you like what type of glass to put under it and if you want to put ice in it or whatnot. Uh, and then it makes you a mixed drink in like 15 seconds. It's insane. It's the coolest thing ever. So I would highly, highly recommend if, um, you know, if you're looking for something cool, those are cool. We also got an espresso machine, which is awesome. I got all the beverage items uh, and I lost a lot of countertop space, but it's all good. Um, yeah, so hope your holidays were good. Hope you got to, uh, you know, spend it with someone. I know that it's a weird time. Not everybody can get together, but hopefully you got to see somebody. Uh, and if not, well, hopefully you're a cool person and you enjoy your own company. Because, uh, you know, that's an option too. No shame in it. Not a ton to talk about really this week. Uh, and I know that's a great thing to hear right off the top. <laughs> but, you know, so the only really thing that's happened is World Juniors are, are going on and... They uh, released the the schedule for the year, which uh, honestly, the schedule thing, I think that's weird. I, I don't think it's weird. I think that it, if it were me, I'm not quite sure that I would have released the entire schedule um, because it seems odd. Like the, uh, the idea that we are going to be able to predict this thing to the very end is just like, I don't know that that's true. So... I don't know. I would have maybe put out like a month or two of a schedule and then just left the rest TBD. I mean, I know they left a lot of stuff TBD, um, but it sounds like uh, they're just going to shoot for, you know, this is the schedule. Hopefully we can maintain it. But I mean, I don't know what the plan is. If a team gets 
uh, you know, COVID or if something happens, uh, there's going to be some delays. You heard Sean McIndoe and I talk about it, and he he was a proponent for uh, leaving like a buffer maybe at the very end of the season for teams to catch up or, um, you know, whatever the case may be. I'm sure someone loses some games. And then what happens at the end of the season if, if uh, you know, we couldn't make up all the games? What if it's way off? What if a team only got to play like 30-some games? Uh, you never know. It's just uh, it's going to be hard to navigate, but we'll worry about that when the time comes. Uh, right now, we have ourselves a season, and we have ourselves a schedule. But before you know, we get into any of that real hockey talk, if you know this podcast as well as maybe I do, then uh, we, you know we got to get into this first. All right, off the rails time. Now, this one I've had in my, in my notes here for a minute uh, because it happened like right after I recorded the last episode. And obviously, I, this is the first time I've recorded in a week. So, um, Chipotle. You know, Chipotle is great. I go there, you know, I eat there a bunch. The food's good. Uh, they have great service and everything. Hey, Chipotle. Let me phrase it this way. Has anyone here listening to this ever, and I mean ever, heard like what you would consider just normal music playing in a Chipotle? Or is it always the weirdest music imaginable? Like, is there is there such thing as a middle ground? Do we just go, you know, the most obscure genres in the world? Let me tell you what I heard when my wife and I were in a Chipotle uh, last week, I guess it was. Chipotle was playing a song. You know, normally Chipotle is all about, like, super hipster, like, coffee shop-esque vibes. There's just, like, weird EDM sometimes playing. Um, and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. But this time, they were playing, like, a like a bluegrass-type song, which is strange, um, but it was a Sunday. I don't know. Maybe that's their thing. Maybe that's a Georgia thing. They're like, yeah, on Sundays we play, we play bluegrass in, in Chipotle. The song... The chorus of the song, which, by the way, repeated at least 9,000 times. And it was like an eight-minute song. And we were there for the whole thing, and I was like, what the fuck is happening? The song went something like this. I like cold beverages. I like cold beverages. I like cold beverages. And then it did that a few times. And at the end, it went, stick it in the fridge. And I guess it was called stick it in the fridge. And I heard those words, and my wife and I both looked at each other, and we were like, are you hearing what I'm hearing? Like... What the fuck is that? It said that, I mean, all the whole time we were eating. I'm trying to have a conversation. All I can hear is, I like cold beverages. Stick it in the fridge. Like, how is that a song? How can that be a song? How is that person making money off that song? Uh, you know, do, do what you want, but stick it in the fridge, man. I don't know if that's a hit or uh, the worst song imaginable, but I imagine it has to be one or the other. It really can't be like a... A, uh, a compromise between the two. It's got to be the weirdest thing ever, or it's awesome. There's, uh, there's, no, there's no in-between. So that was cool. The other thing is we went uh, before my parents came over for Christmas. We got tested for COVID and realized we were good. Um, so I had them over. And uh, before that, we, we needed to like fill our stockings. And the only fucking place we could do that was Walmart. And, uh, ugh. I gotta tell you, you remember how I said 
the person, the like the the crazy person on the street that tries to talk to you when you don't want to talk to them, that that was my uh, personal hell, if that exists. Well, let me change that, and I want to double down and say that uh, Walmart, just Walmarts in general, will be my hell. Um, I will just be in a Walmart wandering aimlessly, and yeah, it would it's it's awful. So the first thing with this is that I don't know why it is, you know, I'm not going to break down the socioeconomics of it, but the the real regular Walmart shoppers just tend to be, I'll just call them not my crowd, okay? And uh, I think that just boils down to intelligence. It seems like there's a lot of fucking dumb people that go to Walmart. Uh, I don't know what it is about Walmart that draws them in, but... uh. Not a lot of brain cells walking around in that place. So it bothers me uh, because I just see a lot of dumb shit and it really, you know, drives me wild. But we go to this Walmart and, you know, I don't, I know in the city here, you, you got to wear masks and everything. I don't exactly know if it extends into every county around me um, because we are in the like suburbs area outside of Savannah. But I would think that a corporation like Walmart, who's been allowed to, you know, stay open through this whole thing, uh, would be a little stricter on enforcing people wearing masks at their locations. Whatever you feel. It's just, there's a lot of fucking people in this Walmart. Like, thousands of people in this Walmart. Um, and when I tell you that maybe 10% of them are wearing masks, I mean, no one is. No one is. And it is, like, packed. And people are walking down aisles, and I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? Also, I'm looking around, and it looks like this store hasn't been cleaned in like six months. Like, it's disgusting. So I'm, I'm just like full-on anxiety mode. Like, where are we right now? Like, how can I leave here immediately? The only goal was get in, get out. Let's get the fuck out of here, because this is just the worst. So I'm dealing with the people. I'm dealing with the fact that any of these people not wearing fucking masks within six inches of my face, uh, you know, could get somebody sick. It's just, it was not a fun experience at all. Um, and yeah, I don't know what else to say. Uh, that sucked though. So Walmart, get your shit together, you know? Uh, don't do that. Clean your stores. Don't let fucking 300,000 people in that none of them are wearing masks. And if you're the person, why are so many people, look, if you're gonna, if you're gonna not wear it on your nose, I'm not even, this isn't even like a, Oh, where I'm don't wear, like I'm not posing any kind of argument here. I'm just saying if you're gonna if you wear a mask and it doesn't cover your nose, do you realize that it looks like you have about seven brain cells working? Because the only fucking point of it is to cover all that shit. So why would you put it if you're wearing it just over your mouth and your nose is out? I mean, what's the point? What are you doing? Is it a fashion statement at this point? I don't understand. And I'm, I get it. They fall off. I'm not talking about the person who it's like slipped down and they'll pull it back up. No, I've seen a lot of fucking people that just leave them only over their mouth and their nose is just out. And it looks so, that might be the dumbest thing. You can't look dumber than that. It just looks so stupid. Like, why are you, why are you wearing it if it's not doing anything? What, like, what are you, you're breathing the whole time. So I don't know. That just, there was a lot of those. There was a lot of nose outers in that store, and uh, yeah, not my favorite, but anyway, let's talk about some hockey here, we got a schedule, let's just, let's, uh, let's be, let's, you know what, let's just pretend that this schedule just gets played out 100%, uh, and nothing will change it, 
let's kind of go through and see what the Hurricanes have on tap. First off, um, season for the Hurricanes is going to start on the 14th against Detroit in Detroit. Uh, and it seems like the um, schedule is made up of mostly two-game series, at some points three-game series uh, against teams where you know you travel there, they'll travel here, kind of like baseball on a much smaller scale because uh, we don't play 162 games. Hey, baseball, maybe play less games. You know, I don't know. Um, but the season will start January 14th against Detroit in Detroit. Uh, so they'll play Detroit. The next series is a back-to-back against Nashville in Nashville. Um, and then two home games against Florida. I feel like that's a pretty good way to start the season. Uh, I would call that a warm-up, you know? I I even would say that that goes, you know, in order of easiness. Uh, you could argue Nashville and Florida. I think Florida's more dangerous. They have more dynamic pieces that maybe just uh, the defense screws them over. So Nashville is probably going to be more consistent because their defense is good. Um, but their goaltending can at times be a question. Florida's can certainly be a question. Uh, but at their ceiling, Florida's goaltending is probably better if Bobrovsky's got, you know, his act together. But Detroit, you know, uh, Detroit hasn't played in a long, long time. So I would hope for two quick wins to start off the season there. But again, nothing is for granted. Uh, Detroit's, you can call them a bad team if you want, but there's no such thing as really a bad team in the NHL. Um, you know, they have, Dylan Larkin is no joke. Um, you know, they have plenty of players that, are a problem. They're really fast. Um, they can match that up and down speed that the Hurricanes will play at sometimes. I think that the Hurricanes are going to have to maintain their structural game um, to have a lot of success against those, you know, the Detroits, the the Chicago's, those sort of teams. I think that if the Hurricanes play their game uh, with that Rod Brendamore structure, they'll have absolutely no problem unless the goaltending just has a horrible night. Uh, but even still, you're probably fine because your stars are better than their stars. You have more stars. You have way more talent on the roster. Um, and if you play, you know, a, a smart game, play it the right way, uh, it shouldn't be an issue to beat those teams every time you see them. And, of course, things happen and luck happens and all that stuff. But in general, you should be outplaying those guys every time. Now, if the Hurricanes get into this up-and-down pond hockey game that, you know, sometimes we've seen them get into. Look, it's fun. It's fun to watch, um, but uh, it's you're rolling the dice because it's it's just not a way that will give you continued success unless you're just insanely elite offensively. And even still, I mean, look at I'll go back to it again. I know that you know I I use the Leafs as an example for this a lot, but I mean they have a really really talented offensive roster. Defense and structure have always been their problem since they got Austin Matthews. Um, and you know, they've, they've been able to win a lot of six fives, a lot of games like that. But in the long run, when you start playing good teams, uh, it's way, way harder to win like that. You're going to play a Boston or somebody that's going to shut you down with, you know, a good, a good two way Ford group and a good, uh, defense and a good goalie. And it's going to be fucking hard to, to get past them. So the Hurricanes can't get into playing like that to me. I think if they, if they really look back at last season, I would think there's a good amount of tape that kind of proves to them that that's maybe not in their advantage to play that way. To me, if you want to watch some tape, watch right before the shutdown, right before we suspended the season. They played um, Detroit and Pittsburgh, and Justin Williams was back, and he had been having a good few games. I think those games were, I was excited for where the Hurricanes were headed to close out the season. And then, of course, it never happened that way. Um, because the season just ended right there, and we jumped straight to a postseason. 
But that was exciting hockey to me, and I thought that they played, uh, you know, they played really well. They played a really good two-way game, and their offense was clicking because I think they were generating chances from a, a more sustained forecheck, and, a, you know, um, I just think they were playing it the right way. I think they were playing the way Rod wants them to play, which will make them the most successful. I really do believe in that. So early season opening up against some of these teams that, you know, haven't played in a long time and, you know, maybe aren't the most put-together teams in the world roster-wise, I feel like those teams can hurt you. Uh, That's the best-case scenario for a team like that is to play a team that, um, you know, can sometimes get away from its structure because that team's going to want it to be a pond hockey game. They're not going to, you know, what do they give them, three extra days of training camp? It doesn't help you get game ready. Training camp is to to get your systems down and all that. Um, But I'm not overly convinced that Detroit really has a system they operate by a lot uh, just because I don't know that they have the pieces to make it work so um, I feel like they thrive more in, a, in an up and down game and that's why they lose a lot of games it's why they did last season at least because uh, they don't quite have the talent to keep up other than one line so but that one line can be really really dangerous so I, I don't want to get into a game like that because I want to focus on shutting down that line and then focus on uh, you know getting those gritty goals that you need and if you if you win by one cool you win by one I mean you don't need to win by 14 to win the game it's just kind of pointless um so just stick to the structure and you'll be fine early season that will that will tell us a lot I think if the Hurricanes can do that or not um and if they get away from it they might struggle a bit the other thing is if you know you've been following the Hurricanes for a while then you know as well as I do that the starts are all over the place. I mean, it seems like they either start bad, like really bad, or they come out on fire um, and make us think that they're the best team in the world, even though they eventually come back to reality like last season, say. Um, so what kind of start are we going to get? Keeping in mind that a 56-game, and I'll call it a max 56-game season because you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen. And uh, they could miss games. It could end up being a 50-game season. It could end up being 48. Uh, I'm sure the league has some level of contingency plans for, for you know, losing games and, and cutting down the schedule a little bit. So you cannot get off to a bad start when you only have a max of 55 other games. Uh, you know, from game one, you got to be dialed in because once you get two or three games back, you don't have... You know, the rest you, the rest of the season is, you know how everyone always says, oh, by Thanksgiving, you know a lot. Okay, well, we're starting this season at Thanksgiving, basically, with the amount of games left. Um, and you're going to be playing a lot of the same teams, so I feel like wins and losses might come in bunches. Um, you know, it's just, it's going to be a difficult season to navigate from behind. You're going to want to start out in front, so the Hurricanes are going to want to maintain a top four spot all year, I think. I don't, I don't think that they'll want to be clawing for one because too much stuff can happen. You want to be up there, and I think you want to be first or second. Who knows at the end of the season what the world's like. Uh, maybe maybe you can have fans in the stands, and uh, you know that home ice advantage could make a, a big difference. Maybe not. You know, Maybe it's the same as last season, and then we just shoot for the, the following season, getting maybe more back to normal after some vaccines and whatnot. Uh, but, hey, you know, I think you got to stay... Stay up in the standings the whole time. I don't think that you can afford to have a bad start because then you'll be clawing back and then you'll be lucky to get, you know, fourth. Um, and it will be, you'll be so exhausted from that climb that there's nothing left in the tank. I think you've seen that happen to the Hurricanes a few times in uh, the playoffs the last couple of years. I mean, maybe not as much last year because it was such a weird uh, scenario. 
But think about in uh, 1819 against the Bruins. I think it took so much for the Hurricanes to make the playoffs that they were already warmed up and playing playoff hockey. They, you know, figured it out against Washington, mostly through just, you know, grit <laughs> and uh, dedication to their game. And they win that series. And I think they're dead after that. Like, I think that they're, it's, it's really hard to, to keep going after that. So I think that that hurt them a whole lot. Um, so, you know, they'll go through that. They'll get Florida after that. Then it's Tampa, Dallas. I'm not going to go through the whole schedule. But I did want to point out that, um, you know, I made my predictions last week for this division. I think that these, I don't think that the Hurricanes, um, or I think that the Hurricanes are going to have problems with Columbus and Dallas. Um, I'm not saying that they're not going to be able to beat them at all uh, because I think they're better than both those teams. They certainly can be better. Um, I don't know if they're better consistently because I don't know what to expect this year. It really depends on a couple of players, which I'll get into as well. Um, but I think that's going to be a, a struggle. I'm not saying that you know they're going to get dominated. I'm just saying I don't think it's going to be, those are not going to be easy wins for the team. Tampa, of course, is always going to be a challenge. So I think that those are three teams that pose the challenge. Columbus and Dallas, because of how they play and how the Hurricanes at times can be willing to get away from that two-way game that makes them successful. Um, and then Tampa, just because of the, the talent at all, you know, everywhere. Every spot on the roster has a, a really good player. They don't really have any weaknesses. So those three teams will be a challenge. Florida is such a wild card to me. I really don't know what to expect there. But the Hurricanes, this season more than ever, I think in this division, you know, we're all talking about it as a walk in the park compared to the East, which it's definitely an easier outing than the East, but it seems to have more teams that I, you know, I would call them sleeper teams for giving the Hurricanes problems. Like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Hurricanes go 3-5 and five against the Blue Jackets and the Stars. I wouldn't be surprised if they have some troubles with the Florida Panthers. The Florida Panthers just tend to play the Hurricanes tight every time. Um, and they have good pieces, you know. Um, uh, Barkov is a fantastic center. They've got they've got weapons. They don't have a very good defense, and their goalie, uh, you know, hasn't performed well for them thus far. Those last two may be very related. I would say if you believe in logic, they probably are, but who knows? But that division isn't going to be as easy as everyone thinks, I don't think, you know? And hopefully it is. Hopefully it is. Hopefully the Hurricanes can run away with it and dominate everyone, and it can be a Canes versus Tampa type of outing. But uh, I think that there's a lot of those mid-level teams, and you can include Nashville with those as well. Um, so, you know, I think that that's going to be tough. I think it's going to be a grind, and I think that they're they're going to need their leadership and their, you know, their... Luckily, the team's been there before, um, almost everyone. So I think it's going to take the coaching staff and the leadership to um, kind of get them through the grind of this season because it's not going to be easy at all. Uh, but this team can definitely do it. I want to talk about, before we go, I want to talk about a couple pieces that um, are going to become ultra necessary for the Canes to have success. If you look at last year, um, I think that the team was good, not as good as we would like them to be at the beginning with Dougie Hamilton. Um, and, you know, you got to think to uh, Eric Halla having the start that he did. I mean, uh, that, that did a lot for the Hurricanes. The same way that, you know, Michael Furland having a great start to his year, um, you know, made them much better the year before. Um, I don't know that, you know, maybe a player, maybe Jesper Faust comes in and he just lights it up at the beginning. But you can't rely on a hot, hot player do it for you then it was Dougie Hamilton 
And I think that the team played pretty well for a while um, once they kind of settled into everything. I think they played pretty well. And, uh, you know, they would go into these winning streaks, losing streaks. I didn't, I didn't exactly like that element. I didn't exactly like exactly where they... I said exactly way too many times. I didn't like the precise spot they were at in the standings. But it was serviceable, and it was, it was going to make the playoffs. Um, it was going to be tough to make the playoffs. That wasn't going to be a sure thing. But, uh, you know, they were, they were in a spot to make the playoffs, which is all you can really ask for because once you get in, anything can happen. Um, but, you know, I thought that they lacked a little bit of consistency. Then Hamilton goes out, Pesci goes out. I think we saw some struggles there. We saw the aftermath of two really, really good players. I also think that Brett Pesci is kind of like the anchor for that defense. I mean, I'm not saying he's the best defenseman, um, but he, you know, there's an argument for it. And I just think that he, that second pairing is so important, and the role he plays on this team is just so important that it's it's not at all the same when when it's someone else holding down that role. Um, he's just so good at that that role. So I think that that hurt them a lot more than people you know would admit. I think that everyone focused on Dougie because Dougie was having a Norris caliber season, and yes, that is that is definitely a big hit, but uh, I think that Pesci getting hurt was really what made it like, oh, if we don't get other bodies in here, we are toast. Um, and I'm glad that the, the you know management recognized that because I don't know what would, I don't think we would have uh, been very well off with no one to replace that. I think Shea made a pretty good impact, um, and I'm glad that they filled some pieces. Vatnin, for what it's worth, I mean, he played like a millisecond <laughs> it seemed like um you know he might be a myth who knows um but yeah I think that with those players in this year I'm expecting a little bit more consistency um you know we added a tro check you hope that he can get it together but here's some players let me list you off some players that are to me will determine the success of the Hurricanes season this year uh one is Vincent Trocek I think that if he wants to be that that 2C that the Hurricanes need him to be behind Sebastian Ajo, adding some some force into the uh, the top six. He's gonna have to he's gonna have to really get it what the Hurricanes are trying to do. You know, he's gonna have to completely be bought into their systems, which I think he is mentally, but I think that it just takes time. And I would hope that uh, you know the extra time he's gotten, uh, you know, he's he seems like a guy who's really dedicated to video and stuff like that. Um, he's got a great attitude from everything I've heard. So I don't think guys like that struggle. I just think it takes some time. So whatever amount of time it takes, um, you know, you hope that he gets it that way in the system. And then you hope that the offense just clicks. I feel like we saw him kind of dominate at times. Like I'm thinking of multiple times where he made a crazy move and then would like hit the post. And then it just seemed like he would play a little bit dejected or maybe not dejected because that kind of implies that he's, I don't want to say giving up, but like giving less effort. I don't think that he ever gave less effort. I just think that he played with less confidence. And you can tell that he's a really skilled offensive player. So I think confidence for him is going to be very important. Sim- very similar to, you know, Ajo Teravina. I think they are the same way. At times, you can see one of them maybe lose their confidence, start, start trying less. Uh, and, you know, those guys are good enough to pull off those things. They just have to believe in themselves. So Trocek, to me, is in the same boat. I hope that he starts off the season really hot. Um, it seems like someone does every year. So, uh, uh, you know, two years ago it was Ajo. Last year it was Eric Halla. Um, You know, you hope that... You hope that somebody starts off hot. I would hope to see it. Uh, you know, I would love to see all our top guys burn it up as well. But I think Vincent Trocek could really use that to, you know, elevate his confidence and make him more comfortable in his role. The next few guys um, are going to be 
Ryan Dezingle, and Nino Niederreiter. And the big one to me is Niederreiter. If you think about what turned the season around uh, in 1819 when the Hurricanes were struggling, it was toward the end of the year in 2018, and we were all like, oh, God, here goes this Hurricanes team again, falling apart even though they have way more talent, you know, still falling apart, can't find a way to make it. And then, you know, around New Year's, um, they just started picking up their play. It's not a coincidence that right before that, they traded for Nino Niederreiter, traded Victor Rask for Nino Niederreiter, um, and Nino comes to the team, an immediate impact. He scored two goals in his first game, um, and then, you know, he was about a point-per-game player for the rest of that season. Not what he ended up with overall, of course, because he played most games, um, you know, with Minnesota, but for the Hurricanes, he was about a point-per-game player, and that is an enormous addition to the team, so uh, that makes a, a huge difference, and the Hurricanes don't make the playoffs without his contributions. Um, and then last year, you know, he, he struggled. He wasn't really able to have anywhere near the same type of year. And, uh, you know, we don't need him to light it up. I don't necessarily need 20 goals from you, but, you know, what was he at, seven or so? I mean, he seemed to be a non-impact most of the time. You can't have that because now you're back to that team before that. And, uh, okay, it's worse. Like, what you did was lose some two-way players that maybe weren't providing a lot of offense but were providing better defense, which helped you win. Uh, and you swapped them out for guys that are maybe a little worse at defense, have higher offensive ceilings, but if they're not, if they're not producing, then you know it's not doing any good for the team. Uh, you actually took away some parts instead of, instead of adding skill. I mean, you added skill, but if the skill's not going to produce, then you actually made the team worse. So I feel that way about Niederreiter and Dezingle. Those are two guys that can certainly pick it up. I worry more about Dezingle, whether or not he fits in to the system. Um, I think that he can, but I think it's a little more up to him. And right now, I don't really know. I don't really know what to make of that situation. I think that he can definitely do it, but I'm not quite sure that he's 100% bought into everything it, it takes to be a good Carolina Hurricane on both sides of the puck. I think he's very used in his career to playing a you know up and down fast paced game he's a really fast guy he's got a good shot I think that that's how he wants to play um, and he's basically being told like hey take chances but you better be uh, okay on the defensive side of the puck and at times it seems like he cheats toward the offensive side and uh, has big lapses that 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 doesn't work like if you're not going to produce offensively okay not everyone can every game it's it's all good I don't need you to score every single game but you better take care of your side of the ice. And if you can't do either of those, well, you end up a healthy scratch. And I would hope that he comes motivated. You know, you can take those those uh, failures two ways. You can you can sulk about it and feel sorry for yourself and end up, you know, not trying because you just have a bad attitude about it and get worse. And, uh, you know, maybe that's it. You hit your ceiling and now you just drop. That can happen in any field with anyone. Um, and the other way is you can, you can be motivated by it. You can say, I'm better than this. I'm going to take the criticisms. I'm going to get better with them and you can improve. Um, and you know, we all hope that the second one is, is how it goes. I think he's got the right people around. He's got the right, right players on the team. He's got the right coach, uh, all that. He has all the tools to succeed. So I would hope that he can buy in more, but those, those are going to make a big difference for this Canes team. The other guy I would say on defense, um, well, there's a couple of them. I think Jake Gardner and Brady Shea. I think Brady Shea had a good season for the Hurricanes. Um, you know, you can see some parts of his game that, um, you know, 
could probably use a little bit of fine tuning, but at this point, he just kind of he is what he is. Like he's he's a good player. Um, he's not going to be your number one defenseman, but that's not what you got him for. So I just I just want to see similar from Brady Shea this year. I want to see if he can pull that off because really, you know, we're we're probably all pretty happy with his performance, but you know, we got such a small sample size that it's nothing really to draw from unless he's able to repeat it this year. So I would like to see what happens with that. The other is Jake Gardner. And, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Jake Gardner over the last year. Uh, I think, of course, he ended up being a little less than what the team hoped they were getting when they signed him. However, I think at the end of the year, he really came on and and played really, really well. And, and, uh, you know, he was holding his own in the defensive zone, which is something we know that he wasn't able to do all year. And uh, he also had some more success in the offensive zone. So I just want to see end of season Jake. And if, if those two things can happen, if Shea can, you know, be similar to the player he, he was for the Hurricanes last season, and uh, Jake Gardner can be similar to, um, you know, the way he ended the season, I think that they'll, uh, they'll be in good shape defense-wise. They'll be in really good shape. They'll have Brad Pesci. Um, and maybe that's the key, you know, those guys, Brady Shea is going to have a really good season if he plays with Brett Pesci. I believe that. You want to know why? It seems like everyone has a really good season when they play with Brett Pesci. Justin Falk seemed to kind of revive his career, uh, in 1819 when he was playing with Brett Pesci. It seemed like Joel Edmondson when he was put with Brett Pesci, uh, this past season had much better results than when he was with Jake Gardner on the third pairing. He's just a guy that, you know, the way he plays... Uh, he's steady. He can provide you some offense, but he's going to always worry about his defensive zone too. His positioning is just always sound. Um, and he's just he just reads the play well, I think. And I think that makes it incredibly easy for, uh, you know, he's a, he's a fantastic D partner for that reason. He makes it easy for the other guy. And I think that's why they end up having so much success because it's just easy. Like it's not, he doesn't make it difficult to play with him. So that's going to be a big, a big thing. And the other part that everyone's talking about is the goaltending. You know, can the goaltending, um, I think that they were pretty good last year. Can they Can they repeat that? I would say yeah, because uh, I think that they've now done that a few times. You know, James Reimer showed you that in front of a not horrible defense, uh, he's going to hold his own. He's going to be steady. He's not going to be amazing. Uh, sometimes he can be. He's not going to be terrible, uh, but he's going to be an average goalie, and that's, that's all you can ask for from a guy in that role. Um, Peter Morazic... Uh, is a little more fluctuating, but I think you saw that you know he can he can be good enough. Uh, you know, we talked all the time about upgrading the goaltending in the off season, but really, unless you were overpaying, I don't think anyone got uh, a return that made the their goaltending way better than the Hurricanes. And uh, you know, I don't overpaying for goaltending is stupid because it's so inconsistent. Even the best goalies in the world are incredibly inconsistent. If you need uh, proof of that, see Florida and their free agent signings uh, after last season. Ask them how that worked out for them last season. You know? Everyone everyone was saying, you know, oh, Bob's the best goalie. How do you perform? It depends on the team. It depends on all this, of course. But goalies are just, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing, man. I've been a goalie before. It relies so much on mental things um and it's just it's hard to maintain it, it really really is so uh you never know what you're gonna get so to overpay for it to me is crazy uh because it's always gonna be you're always gonna be just hoping so it's not a thing to overpay for i think the hurricanes you know can explore that in the in the season to come here 
explore upgrading that if the if the chance emerges. You never know what uh, circumstances teams will find themselves in. Uh, a lot of people want to throw Ned in there. I just don't think that he's shown that he's a better option than the other two guys. So, you know, when you're a team that's expecting to compete for a championship, you don't try out prospects. It just doesn't make sense. I get it. You want to see what the guy can do, but maybe he's bad. Like, maybe he plays horrible. Maybe he's not ready. You don't know that until you see him consistently at the NHL. And I get it. It could go one of two ways, but why take the risk when you have a product that's doing fine? So I think Ned will get in, um, you know, with all the back-to-backs and you hope no one gets hurt, but uh, I think kind of life just shows you that it's probably going to happen at some point. It just tends to. It's just the way seasons go. So uh, there you go. Hopefully it works out, but um, circumstances might, you know, provide the Hurricanes a chance to upgrade during the season. It's not like that's. It's not like starting the season is the last chance to upgrade. Uh, you can kind of see what you've got, see what's available out there, see how other teams are doing, uh, maybe toward a trade deadline. You never know. You can stack up. It really depends on what position you're in to me uh, and, and what the asking price is for anyone that you're looking for. I, I'm not mad at the Hurricanes not changing a ton. I don't know that they had all the options in the world. I would have liked to see them, um, you know, I would like to see the roster made up of more guys that are committed to a two-way game because uh, it seems like there's a few pieces that aren't quite as much and it, it tends to hurt the whole roster to me. But, um, you know... They added Jesper Faust. He's a good two-way player. And you hope that the other guys just kind of jump on board. You hope that Trocek uh, clicks with the system this year. You hope that uh, Dezingle brings it more this year. You hope that Niederreiter can get back to at least half of what he did the season before. Um, you know, I think if you get 10 goals from Nino this year, like, okay. It's production. It matters. Uh, how many one-goal games did you lose because, you know, Nino couldn't do anything? The season before that, he was doing things. So you at least have a chance to win those games. You just need... You need your production to stay the same or get better from last year uh, if you want the same results. So if you want to make the playoffs and, and compete in your division, uh, everybody's got to produce the same or better than they did last year, and you have to hold that up. That goes for goalies and defensemen as well. So you can't be letting up more, uh, which is what the Hurricanes really, you know, you looked at it as, oh, we're scoring more. Okay, well, you're letting in more goals too. It doesn't work. It's not a system that works. Um, so you have to be dedicated to the two-way game but still find a way to improve offensively. It's freaking hard, but it's possible. Teams do it all the time. Dallas did it and got them all the way to the Stanley Cup final. So, uh, you know, Columbus did it. They beat Toronto and all they did in the postseason. So, you know, I mean, it's possible. They can make it happen. So I'm going to stop talking now. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Uh, You know, after the holidays are over, We'll try to swing back through some guests. Hopefully very soon we'll be talking about actual hockey things and not just the hypotheticals of the season. But hey, that's just what this little lull period is. So I very much look forward to uh, games, talking about some games, getting all that stuff, getting the analysis, the stuff that hopefully you want to come for during the season. So thanks so much for listening. Share and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Follow at Kane's Train Pod. All that jazz. Uh, thanks so much. I'll see you Monday. Bye.